Welcome, dear listener, to the new and improved Chatterbox Video Game Radio. My name is Alon. And my name's Aro. Now, we're going to have the ordinary 52 and a half minute show today, because that's how we roll. And uh, I want to start off by what I think is probably probably a waste of time talking about Tekken Revolution, which we just saw. I say a waste because I feel like there's not much redeemable in that game. And it hurts me that that it exists. Are you just saying this because you just don't like Tekken? Um, you know, I used to like Tekken. Back in the day of the original through, like, the third one, I was kind of into it. And I'm, if I actually learned how to play this new one, I might even get into it a bit. But the model of how you play the game, I feel, is disrespect, disrespectful to the player. Okay, and I want to hear this. So I don't, I don't like it for that reason. So... This uh, this model, we're talking about the free-to-play Tekken on PSN. For those who don't know, Sony has taken to the idea of having some free-to-play games. It is not the first one. I don't remember what the first one was. Was it like that Dust 514 game? I can't even fathom to recall. There's a few free-to-play games on the PS3. There's more than one, though. Yeah, and they've had like is... they've had like open betas for like multiplayer games and things like that too. Yeah. What's What's weird is that it's not they're not small games like free-to-play games. They're like they're big. They yeah, go, oh, this is like a no big, big go home. like, over one gig, almost two gig download. Oh, not just affair. size, though. Like, yeah. it, indie games are not making these freemium things. And I'm not wholly against the concept of freemium, although I... Well, that's a whole other different conversation why that's yeah. not happening. So let's, let's talk about this. So there is a free-to-play Tekken Revolution game, totally free to download, totally free to play, a little bit. Well, a little bit you want to play the game and that's what bugs me about it so you know it looks nice the menus are nice whatever you know you you play with some people online uh we should we should be clear right from the start that this tekken game certainly looks and feels like a bona fide tekken game so we're not getting short shrift in the actual tekken gameplay experience just because this is free to play Kind of. I, I got to say, the environments looked like they, uh, you know, didn't do put a whole lot of work into those compared to perhaps other fighting games. Really? I think you've been in Iceland for too long. No. So. Because those looked absolutely fine, beautiful video game backgrounds just like any other fighting game to me. I don't know. It might just be that Tekken doesn't have a ring out system. And so they have to have these limitless levels. You just walk forever. And so maybe maybe it's been so long since I've seen a Tekken game. But normally, there's a lot more going on in the backgrounds. It's much nicer. The ground isn't as lame looking. It was very flat. Anyway, not important. Not the important part. The important part of this is, is the gameplay. And more importantly, your ability to play the game. So, lots of currencies. This is one of the first things you pointed out to me, Ara, when you booted the game just a few minutes this ago. Was, this was hard for us to negotiate because there was like... First of all, I didn't remember because that was your first question. Because you were really curious about how... How you played and how you paid for this game, right? Because it's a free-to-play game. And I was like, oh, there's all these currencies. And, of course, I forgot what they were and what they do because it's actually pretty complicated. Yeah, I don't remember the names for them, but there's basically, like, three different coins. So there's, like, the blue coins that let you play certain types of the game, like the arcade mode. Yeah, arcade, that's what coin. blue is for. Red yeah. coin is for battle a ranked match. Yep. Right? Then there's also, like, premium coins, which... Which they describe as being the same as a different currency called a premium ticket. Yeah. No, no, which is actually – and those are actually both the same as the red and blue coins. Are you Just confused combined. yet? Anybody yeah. confused you yet? You can get a red coin or a blue coin or you can get a premium ticket, which lets you play either the red or the blue things. And by the way, there's also a premium coin, which is the same as a premium ticket, except you buy it instead of earning. Okay. And then here's the other differences in case you're not sufficiently confused. So you can only have – two of the red ones in stock max at a time and five of the blue ones and the red ones replenish one per 60 minutes and the blue ones replenish one per 30 minutes up to their respective maximums i think it's 60 minutes and a and one day isn't it no 60 minutes 60 minutes and 30 minutes yeah oh yeah it was 30 minutes yeah because we used a blue one for the ranked match yeah okay so, so playing ranked... Me- no, 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 wait a minute. I might I thought- be confuting which one. Is- it doesn't blues- matter. One doesn't no, 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 this is very important. <laughs> the blues were for the like, non-ranked match play, and then I think the red ones, but because I those are more valuable. But I used the blue one, and I played the ranked match. 
maybe it's the other way around. Anyway, it's either one or the other. <laughs> That's for sure. Then there's more. We're not done yet. So also, if you use these uh, golden ticket things, right? Those are once again used in the same way. Like they're they're like a um, it's like a wild card. Like you can use them for any mode. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if there's a limit on how many can exist. To, I don't think there's a limit, but you don't get them automatically. You have to earn them. Yeah. And then when you use one, if you win, then you get you get it back, the golden ticket. But if you lose, then you don't get it back, but then you get more experience points than you would have otherwise. And then then we have finally at the end of the whole line, we have the purchasable premium currency. Where which um, said is the same as the ticket, which means do you get that back if you won? No, no, it's not. You you do not have that effect. So the t- the the coin that you buy is basically like a wild card coin, but it doesn't have the special effect of the ticket. Get it? Meaning the you get it back. Meaning you have no chance to get it back, like and you no do with the ticket, experience. and you have no chance for extra experience if you lose, like the ticket. Okay. Okay. So so are we, are we let's, confused? Let's yet? round it out. So there's a few different ways. To play this game. One way, you can just wait around and you'll get some coins. But they give you very few of them. And that is the crux of the problem. Well, this is, this is what it comes down to, right? Is that basically you play until you run out of coins and then your choice is to wait or to pay money to not wait. Pretty much, yeah. And the interesting thing is that pretty much every successful pre- free-to-play game has used this type of model. And I find this really interesting because I, I've been reading a lot about this free-to-play stuff. And I don't know, maybe we'll talk some, some more about it later. But your, Alan, I'm guessing that your first confusion or question might be, why do we have all of this Oh, no. I'm, now that we've talked it through, I understand it. Yeah. Do you understand why there's all this complication? Yes. Tell me. Okay. So the red and the blue are simply two different types of the same thing. Right. They are, if you want to wait around, we'll let you play for free. Right. Right. You've got to wait some amount – like – Longer, much longer than a single fight, right? Like 30 or 60 minutes, right? but not long enough that you can't play today. Right. So then there's the alternative is you can just pay to get some coins and then play whatever you want. Right. Right. So th- that's very clear. But then they add this third one in, which isn't as common for games like this, where you can just earn the currency if you do well. So like I won a match and I earned a ticket. What's yeah, interesting about we, that one we is... We don't know what causes you to win a ticket, though. It's said that you, you win them but. Not necess- not like every match you win, right? But like I think you we don't know exactly because you wouldn't get one per every match. That would be too much. So we don't yeah. know what decides if you get one or don't get but, one. But what's interesting about the ticket is it means if you're good, you don't have to pay again. You can keep playing because if you use that ticket and you don't lose, right? Then you play. So there's these three different types, right. and I but, get them all. They all serve a different purpose. But it's not just if you're good because the other part of this, which is new to the Tekken series, and also another. Uh, component that seems to be very common in free-to-play games is that now your characters have levels, which means that you could be of the same skill as somebody, but if their character is stronger, they'll beat you anyway. So there's okay. that component now, Good point. which was yeah, we, never a consideration I started off before. very low. Very, very low. Although I still lost to someone at my same level. Yeah, well, you know. That's Won the, the first match, problems. lost the second. I found I find just as an aside, I my short experience with the game is like every time I landed a hit, I'm like, yes, I'm the best at this game. I'm a master. And then every time I got hit, I was like, I hate this game. I never want to play this game again. This game is so cheap. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I felt cheated every time I got hit and I felt like a champion every time I landed a hit. And it's really interesting if you. If you play games and, like, try to be cognizant of, like, this state, because I think you'll notice that in the majority of games, usually that's what happens. Like, you feel rewarded when you win and you feel like a loser when you lose, right? The game's fun when you're winning, to put it another way, and but the it's game sucks when you're losing. when you're paying for each play. Well, well, yeah, right? But I guess my point with that is I feel like games that are really good are still good even if you're losing, it is a. It is. It, it does not say anything uh, meaningful or uh, positive about a game one way or the other. I feel like if you're feeling good when you're winning and when you're feeling bad when you're losing, right? I feel like that's kind of like the base state. Like you should expect that at a minimum. And if the game is better than that, 
then you should feel like you're having a good time or at least you should not feel like you're being cheated <laughs> when you're losing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I look at it as p- sort of like gambling, right? Like if I use this premium ticket and I lose... <sighs> well, this is, yeah. well, this is the other dynamic, right? So now we're coming back to the free-to-play dynamic. Yeah, and it is kind of like gambling, right? So that's kind of unpleasant. But what I was leading, trying to lead you toward was, which I'm not sure if you got, was why... The, the answer to the question of why there's actually this much elaboration on the different ways to play and like why like why is there why do we have five different currency types why do you have to wait honestly so i think on? it's because they're trying to give you free game like they they could just be like you have to pay for coins to play that's it there's premium coins right and you have to pay every time you want to so play so why don't you think they do that but because there'd be backlash if you had to pay, so they have to give you ways to play for free. So two different ways are either time when you're not good or you get to keep playing if you are good. Right? So there's time because you're not good, play forever if you are good with the tickets, or if you want to pay, uh, you could just pay right away. So that's play. definitely one thing. Um, but there is actually a, a more sinister thing happening here that um, I'm trying to lead you toward and you're not guessing yet. And, no, I mean um, it's uh, a mystery for for me to solve. You could just say it. I want to, but we're so close to the break that I feel like if I just say a bunch more words, we can have a cliffhanger and okay. actually not reveal the answer. And that's we come what back we will do. We will leave it in suspense to find out what Ara is secretly getting at, and we will talk more about uh, Tekken Revolution, a game that I don't encourage you to download. By the way, I really don't. Um, anyway, we'll I can't right. wait. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we are back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Otherwise known as uh, Tekken Hate Mode, right? It can be Tekken Hate Mode for, for you. Yeah. I, I don't hate Tekken. Well, you know what? It's, I, actually, I don't like it. But I, I don't, don't want to say hate I t- hate Tekken in general. Although, really, I think it's kind of the bottom. It's the bottom of the fighter pale. I mean, That's, how fun is it? If you disagree, what's your uh, email, Alon, so people who uh, disagree with it being the bottom of the uh, fighter pale? Do you have any more uh, colorful... Well. Here's the thing. There are much worse fighters, but <laughs> bottom of the ones that, that people like pay some attention to. Um, man, do you remember when, like in the Super Nintendo days, when Street Fighter 2, you know, Street Fighter 2 hit the scene, and then uh, finally it came out for Super Nintendo. I don't know if it was as exciting a time for you as it was for me, but that was like fighter heyday, and it was complete fighter copy hate. Everybody was yeah, making. Data yeah. East was making crappy fighting yeah. games. So you're Everybody saying you're saying games. Tekken is like a crappy is like Fighters History Dynamite. Is that what you're oh saying? my god, Fighters History! <laughs> you know Fighters History? <laughs> Just enough. Wow. <laughs> Just barely enough. Yeah, that was from Data East, I think. Um, so it was, yeah, it was an interesting time because you just wanted every one of them to be good, and yeah. inevitably they were bad. Okay, Tekken, Tekken versus Primal Rage. Wait a minute! Don't say anything <laughs> bad about Primal Rage. <laughs> that was for those who don't know. Are you saying? Are you saying t- Primal- that was an Atari branded fighting game where you fought using dinosaurs that were filmed using claymation? 
or we'll say stop frame animation. Yeah. Um, that's an that's an elite yeah. game with is like that, the di- the digitized your... graphics like Mortal Kombat because that was the thing. Mortal Kombat's like oh we've got real people. Is that your is that your was... God mode classification? <laughs> you know they made a Primal Rage two that never released. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, getting back to our cliffhanger. Getting back. So he, there's an, there's another reason. There's a specific reason why there's all of this uh, indirection with these currencies and. If you notice, almost I'm just going to say confusion. Confusion, yeah. Um, I take that for granted. You were really you were search- fishing for that from me. There's confusion? well, I'll tell you the reason why. Because every single free to play game that has this type of model has that, and there's a specific reason why they have that, and that reason is the purpose of it is to actually obfuscate and confuse the player understanding of when they have to pay and what that system is like because what they found is that when that sort of these sort of mechanisms are obfuscated uh players understand even less well than they would before how much money they're actually putting into the game over time like a slot machine it's so it's, confusing it's you more winning or losing well it's actually more sophisticated than a slot machine right because with the slot machine you know that you're putting in at least that money every time or at least you're pressing the button and you're using that much every time and it's very direct right um they do two things right that's one of them right is all this all this indirection all this uh, you, you used a better word um it's it's yeah it's to obfuscate the fact that you're spending money the other one is that apparently it's been shown that um, giving the player a arbitrarily limited number of tries per interval of time and then giving them an opportunity to uh, extinguish that waiting period by paying money, which is essentially how this game works, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's also been shown to apparently, if you look at the aggregate of people in, in the large scale, that's been shown to encourage people to buy way more than they ever would have if it was, for example, something that uh, is clear and sensible to you, which is just just pay just pay per play, right? Or even like you just get five coins a day. Like you get five coins a day and you have to buy any more than that. You know, that actually uh, would not be as profitable than if they put the timer on the coins and had them replenish. Yeah, they, and that's what they do. They put the timer right there so you can see, oh, I have 26 minutes and 47 seconds before I get one more coin. Yeah. Can you imagine waiting 30 or 60 minutes to play one match of Tekken, no, which could, lasts like a minute? Could you imagine just paying a dollar so that you would absolve yourself of that waiting period? Yeah. Because well, a lot of people do. By the way, you all know that I'm interested in the economics of, of all of this. And uh, the coins that you buy, these premium coins, they start off at the lowest level. You buy four at a time for a dollar. Which, if you've done the math, means a quarter apiece. And then they get cheaper when you buy more. So, like, for two bucks, you get ten. So, you're getting, like, two coins free or 50 cents free. Um, otherwise known as a 25% bonus. Uh, or if you spend ten dollars. I'm sorry. Five dollars. If you spend five dollars, you get 30 coins, which is the equivalent of 750. Yeah. You're getting 50% bonus. And I got to say, um, other games that have this structure, they actually have a much broader value exchange than this even what do you mean by broader like you can spend like they'll let you spend fifty dollars and get like uh like Just 10 times more resource amount. yeah yeah but you're also spending an unbelievable amount of money yeah but then you think of the value proposition you're like oh well it's more this is more f- the most for my money so i might as well get the best value uh shouldn't i right yeah. there's you know there's actually this concept um in sales where you offer you offer three options and one of them is too little. One of them is way more than anybody needs. Right. But you want them to feel good about buying the, the upsell. So one isn't necessarily too little, but it's good enough for people, but you want to upsell them to the second one, but you don't give them those, just those two options. You give them a third one that is just unnecessary so that they feel better about buying the one in the middle. Uh, right. I don't and think that's what's happening with Tekken, actually. Because no. $5 is still a small amount of money, and that's the highest amount you can buy. But... Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. They've definitely applied that technique in other games for sure. My point is that they've reduced this the cost of this game, or I, reduced is the wrong word. They've brought this game in line with actual arcade gameplay, 
like when people were paying a quarter a game, which nowadays is actually cheap because nowadays 50 cents a game for something in the arcade. But um, 25 cents a game for something that goes so fast, a game that is super hard to understand, by the way. I don't know if everybody understands Tekken. If you guys haven't played Tekken, it's basically, for most people, it's a button masher. You're just hitting your punch, hitting your kick, and it's kind of slow to respond, which is one thing I hate. Um, Very different than Street Fighter. But it's got huge complexity. So if you actually know how to play, like you can pull off like 10-hit wrestling combos with dudes where you take them down to the ground and then you snap an arm and then you snap a leg and then you like snap their back like quick, quick, crack, quick, thick, 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 over and over and over because you know all the right button presses. So it can get really complex, which is why I think some people argue that it's a really in-depth game. It's great, right? When really it's, it's just a crappy game with really slow response to every button you press. Uh, it's kind of a piece of junk. Um, but it has that complexity, so some people love it. Anyway, it so goes by really fast. Th- there's there's one last thing I want to say about this, and um, later on we will play. We will play. We will talk more f- about free to play games because I've been playing a bunch and I've been analyzing these systems and paying very close attention. Here's the really interesting thing, right? Because the ones I've been playing, uh, the name of my game is "Don't Pay Any Money." Yeah, so, that'd be me as well. So I, it's it's not only because I don't want to pay any money. It's also because I want to see what the dynamic is like for somebody who doesn't want to pay money. And I want to see how they um, pressure you into paying money. And what I found is that in, in at least pretty much all the examples uh, – I haven't played Tekken enough to know if this is truly the case for this one. But here's what they do is that it's um, – they give you a lot of resource in the beginning. And you feel like they're, you're, you're doing – like it's very easy. You're progressing very fast in the beginning. You get a lot of stuff. When you say they give you a lot, you mean like yeah. when you win, you earn a disproportionate amount? No, it's not just when you win. They'll like give you a lot of free things right away. It's just uh, – it's different for every game. But needless to say, uh, the commonality is that you feel like there's just plenty of everything in the beginning. And what's, what happens is over time as you play – your resources, regardless of how well you do, they just slowly and slowly get squeezed. This happened to me when I was playing Real Racing 3. Uh, I feel like it's happening in Puzzle and Dragons. Um, I feel like it happens in Candy Crush Saga. I think Jetpack Joyride does a similar thing. Can I point out something that's different about this game? Yeah. Uh, fighting games, traditionally, I mean, obviously they're meant to be played with two people. Right. These other games you mentioned are all single player, as far as I can tell. Can you think of another one that wasn't single player? No, okay. but I'm I'm not saying. Go ahead. Well, the point I'm making is that I think of fighting games. Now I know today is online. You get online and you play against people. But then there's lag, and it, you don't know the people you're playing. I like to have a house full of people all having a tournament, playing this great new fighting game that we got. Like for instance, the Killer Instinct that is going to be free to play, coming down for the Xbox One very soon you all know i love killer instinct um i won't be able to just this game like there is no versus mode you can't play two play two people on one screen at least i didn't see the option for it when we when we turned it on so you that doesn't exist and if it did exist paying for every match would be ridiculous plus it hasn't built in the system for each player to pay their own quarter right it would just be the you know, yeah, you, you like owner. to play with people in person. I get that. Yeah, but I mean, that's what fighting games were built on. Yeah. They were built on two people at one arcade machine beating each other up. And this game just doesn't even present that option. And I'm thinking about Killer Instinct now, and I'm getting very scared. If they follow this model, yeah. I'm, I'm basically going to boycott. It's, I, I can guarantee you it'll follow that model. And, and I, the, think, I thought it was just going to be like you pay for the characters, and then uh, you've got the whole game. I so mean, if I wanted is, to, I could just pay a certain amount, which is eventually equivalent to probably 50 or 60 bucks, and then I just have the whole game. Uh, this is a very popular structure. I don't feel like they're going to deviate from if it this turns in into way. <laughs> free, Freemium is one thing. If it turns into pay-to-play... Like for every interaction, essentially. No, but they won't. They, very, they won't do that because mad. it's already been proven that if you give if you, if you give a free to play experience, and then uh, I've completely derailed whatever point it was I was trying to get at before. Uh, I do before that. this. I have but, that effect on people. Um, it's going to be like this because this is how.
the most money when you start out for free and you make the player pay for resources and you make it seem like there's lots of resources in the beginning and you slowly squeeze on them and you put a lot of disorientation in what's causing you to pay. I hear you, but Killer Instinct, the reason they're bringing that game out is for nostalgia. It's people who want the old experience. Yeah, they're they're going to ruin it. Yeah, but the the business is making money. The business isn't being nostalgic. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back to remind everyone, you know, just in case you forgot, this is the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. It is sponsored by the University of Advancing Technology. Their website is uat.edu. We have a website, too. It's chatterboxgameshow.com. More importantly, we have a Facebook page, which neither of us have interacted on very much lately, but I encourage people. Maybe post pictures of you playing Tekken on our wall. That would be awesome. Or maybe flipping the bird to the Tekken game. Whatever you want. Uh, Or maybe just the screen where it says to download it. Don't even bother downloading it. Anyway, before we left, you said one thing. I don't think I want to devote the entire show to Tekken, but you said... No, I'm, I'm pretty ready to move on, but go ahead. You said the, 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 the money is... Like, it's all about the money is getting people to play yeah. more. But I would argue that in terms of nostalgia for Killer Instinct, like, it's all about making the customer happy because that encourages sales. And if you, if you no, piss them off you... in mass... Because there's no understanding. Nobody knows what Killer Instinct is anymore. Right, only people my age who want to yeah, play the game they care. played 15 years ago. They don't ago. care about the customer's emotional state. They just care if they're getting enough money. They only care about the customer being so happy in so far as it's helping them make money. Well, what I'm what I'm telling you is, if they don't care, they are short-sighted. They're not doing it correctly. Well, of course, but even all of these free-to-play models right now, I actually believe is short-sighted because what it's doing and this is uh this is not a fully formed thought. I've been thinking a lot about this but i'll now that we're on the topic i'll just say it anyway there's what did i just say i just lost it come on give me something give me something i i'm complete blank here the model of free to play i don't i don't know man i'm not in your brain where did see is the last thing you said here's what i'm telling you i've got now you're making me lose it killer instinct is Based on nostalgia, it's I want to play it because I remember the game from 15 years ago. There is nobody these days who know what. But do you think they the care is. about that? Listen, do you understand what what kind it's of important state the because video you have to game understand your audience? Is right who is your audience? Your audience is not people who know what Tekken is because there's been a Tekken game every year. Your audience is only only people who played it 15 years ago who played it in a certain way who are used to a certain type. You know, of, you know what, Alon, game environment. respectfully, I don't think that they have any inkling that that is anything like what their audience is. I think that they're Absolutely. going to go mass market. Here's the thing. I think that they're going to try and sell as big as they can. They may be short-sighted in, and, in and how they And I don't the think game. they're going to go for nostalgic players at all. I don't doubt for a second that they will screw up. However, they definitely understand nostalgia because people have been clamoring for this game for years, and they keep saying no, 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 and finally they're doing it. It's complete. Uh, fan service making okay, this game. Okay, let me put it this way. The people who are actually working on the game probably think that way. The people who are publishing it, I will wager Cashola could not care less about that part of it. Well, that's always the case. Publishers <laughs> never care about the people. They only care pretty, about the money. Pretty that's, much, yeah. That goes without but, saying. Okay, here's what I was getting at. Okay, I'm back on my track. They, All of these free-to-play models are basically... What they're doing is because they can update their game live, right? And so what they've been doing is they make a tweak to the system. They see, does it make more money, right? If it makes more money, they keep it. If it doesn't make more money, they discard it. They're basically optimizing the game to extract the most of money right now, most amount of money right now. But one of the inputs that they don't have into this process is A, uh, how does the general populace feel about the game? They don't care about that, and they're not even looking at that. And B, actually, how is this changing? How is this modifying player habits over time? 
because I really think that it is. I'm not just I'm just not exactly sure how. You know how they say, you know, you can only, <laughs> you know, the George Bush quote, right? Fool me once. Can't get uh, fooled again, yeah. right? It's like that. So I feel like, I mean, we've all experienced a purchase where we've, we've felt gypped, haven't we, right? And I'm sure that people, that there's some component of this. I don't know what's going to happen long term yet. I can't see that far ahead. But. I'm afraid that all of these free-to-play systems are actually going to train players to become resilient to uh, being tricked by them. Do you mean resistant? Fine. I just want to. I, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. That that's that'll work just as well. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so that's one suspicion that I have. Right. And anyway, the the short of it is that. I mean, these companies, they're not looking at their long term. They never have. They've just always looked at their short term. I don't know why. Well, Companies can be profitable and look in it's the long term. That. And the most p- profitable companies do that. But what? It's funny you say that because there's another – there's an article that I had been looking at that I wanted to, to talk about. And it is Ubisoft apparently – said um like their vp of sales and marketing said that they're not interested in making any new product like any new ip mm-hmm. unless they see it as being like a long-term franchise so they're looking well ahead like watchdogs there's going to be a watchdogs 2 and a 3 and probably like side quests or whatever yeah but you know what i think they're, that they're planning long term and they're I a think, big publisher yeah but i think that that is a completely different situation and i'll tell you why i think that that's because What's happened, at least in what they call the AAA retail space, is that they literally – like they know for a fact that they will not make enough money to recoup their investment if they just make one game because those games are now so expensive to make. So it's not like – I don't even feel like it's them like, oh, we're thinking long term. They just know that they can't – it won't work short term, so they have to try long term. And I mean that's been – I mean that's been – in the past, like, several years, that's what a lot of um, big-budget games do. I mean, you've seen all of those multiple sequels, right? They have to amortize their cost over multiple titles. Otherwise, they have no chance. It just doesn't scale, you know? I don't know. What I see is them them looking long-term and choosing a different option. That is choosing something – that is thinking of something long-term in some way. It's but finding it's, another solution to make the money. Yeah, but it's not thinking about the customers long-term. I just feel like, by and large, game companies uh, just couldn't care less about customer sentiment and and their reputation and the the long term customer relations type of issues. Not just you know, okay, well, we got to make three games of this because otherwise, we'll lose money on it. How does that? How, how do you think that affects the developers of a game? Where you know, because it, I've heard. Many times, uh, directors of studios or whatever have been quoted as saying, like, yeah, we're ready to move on to something else. You know, like, we've made Halos 1, 2, 3. Yeah. We, we want to go work on something else. Um, it can be really fatiguing. I'll tell you that. You think, like, would it be even more so if on the outset you knew, like, all right, this is the start of a 10-year cycle where we're going to build this same game three times? Well, I'll tell you what. For myself, professionally and creatively... Um, I mean, I've been in that sort of situation before. And personally, I find it extremely fatiguing because I'm not – like my interest in video games and video game development isn't just to have a job and to make some or lots of money, right? I actually want to do something that's creatively meaningful. And so once – if I work on a game, if I'm making a sequel to that game, um, a lot of times – there is not as much creativity happening in the sequel. It, a lot of it is just work, work, work. And it's just not pleasant, and I don't want to do that. And I actually actively avoid um, sometimes, and I'll, and I'll say this, sometimes to my professional detriment, I'll actively avoid opportunities like those because they're just not creatively fulfilling. So I, I, see, I, I see both sides, right? So oftentimes, at least the way I see it, the way I'm imagining it, I should say, is that the the first effort in a new IP is like you have grand, grand ideas. Inevitably, 
um, budget and time constraints, whatever, you can't do everything that you want to do. I mean, that pretty much always happens, right? But then the sequel, a lot of the work is behind you, like engines are built, whatever. You have people in place who know the system. Um, So the second time around, it's sort of like the, the perfection of the original vision. Um, theoretically, I agree. Right. Well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> happen in practice, but like, you that's, want me that's to tell idea. you what happens in practice? <laughs> well, hang on a second. <laughs> and then I'm wondering, is the third one where everybody just like, great, we've got a few more ideas we can sort of squeeze out of this fruit, but then towards the end, they just get tired and they want to move on to something else. Or like, should you really just go one, two and then done? I don't know. I mean, everybody has different levels of fatigue. I mean, I know people who've been, you know, working on MMOs for this, the same game for like 10 years. I know people who've been for many, many years working on the same kind of art for uh, some, you know, some sports game. And that's just that's, every year they make a higher resolution jersey. That's that's fine with them. The thing that's that's really unfortunate about uh, sequels with particularly in these large corporations, is that you actually won't get to decide what the feature set is, even as a designer. Sometimes even as a lead designer, you won't get to decide those things. Some suit comes down and says you have to have this and this and this? Yeah, actually. Like, make it multiplayer. Yeah. And in a lot of times, what they're doing is they're looking at their product and they're like, what does this product need to allow it to make more money? And so that actually a lot of times is quite at odds with what the developers feel like uh, would be the best things to do to make the game an even better representation of itself. Those things are very frequently at odds with each other. And so that, that's another reason. I mean, well, here's, here's the other one I was going to tell you, right? Uh, the other thing that happens is uh, we're going to make a sequel and, oh, yeah, our budget is way less than last time. Because they think they can just do it cheaper. Whatever reason. Or the first one didn't make as much as they thought it would. So now they have to – in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a downward spiral. And and so while – if you look at it, you know, with the, the, the purely theoretical, you know, idealist perspective, it's like, yeah, you know, it would be nice to make a sequel of a game because then you can make it the way – because usually the second time it's like, okay, now we can make it the way we want to. And we learned from all our mistakes the first time, right? But you don't even get to do that a lot of times because of all these previous reasons. Mm-hmm. So, and then here's the funny thing, and this is actually where I feel like the industry is ending up and where the industry is at right now. Uh, I'm feeling a microcosm of this in, in my personal professional life. And I feel like a lot, of, uh, a lot of developers on a lot of different levels are feeling it too. If you want to make a game that you want to make, you kind of have to use your own money. If you want to make money, you kind of have to make other people's games. You think so? Or be that one diamond in the rough that actually, you know, as an indie does well. Well, see, that one, that is a one in, you know, 10,000. Yeah. So that's not counted in either of those categories. This, a lot of stuff we've been talking about leads into several other things I wanted to discuss today. Cool. See if we can get to those. are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives where else in the valley on campus or online can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security artificial life programming and game studies as well as technology management where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And 
we're back. You're still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Which we appreciate, by the way. And uh, so does the University of Advanced Technology. Their website, uat.edu, where you can have all sorts of educated discussions like we have on the radio or podcast. Uh, you know, whatever you want. All right. So uh, I want to say a little thing that uh, we've been meaning to mention for a couple of weeks now. Or months. <laughs> It's been a while, right? Weeks. Weeks. Weeks? Weeks. All right. So it just so happens until September 29th, there's actually here in Phoenix at the uh, Phoenix Art Museum, there's a traveling exhibit, which is uh, – is, this is some kind of uh, – actually, I think it's put on by the Smithsonian – of video games. And it's called The Art of Video Games. And it's actually – it's not art about video games. It's actually um, basically – it's a nice historical record of video games and you can play some games. Have you been to it yet? And, you know, I went to it and I found out they were charging $8 and then I didn't go inside because I've played all these games before. I was actually surprised to see uh, that it was really popular. There was a lot of people there and a lot of people who wanted to pay 8 bucks to see old video games. I thought that we had an in at this place. We, we'll have to figure that I out. I don't know. It's not it's it's really not all that exciting. Maybe just pay the eight bucks. But the guy who's the curator for this traveling exhibit, because this thing is going from important art museum to important art museum all across the country. And then stopping off in places like Phoenix where there are no important art museums. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's one and they're there. <laughs> This guy, this guy's got a book that he's selling. Let me tell you, this guy who's curating this, he has got a fantastic racket. Which, what's the book? It's I just, it's just it. the book, the companion book to the exhibit. Oh, the book for that. Okay. Get it's it? It's not one of those really common, like, 101 video game course books. No, it's just like a coffee table book. And I, I, that's cool. Of course, they all do that. That's I, I wish I was in on a racket like that. That's fantastic. Did I tell you? He, se- he you can sell this book in every single city. Yeah, absolutely. Every single city. Do, do you remember me telling you that on my first anniversary, I was in Croatia and I went to the Museum of Broken Relationships <laughs> on my anniversary. And this uh, is uh, you're not one to believe in omens. Yeah, I know. So this. you see, you see all of these. It, Exhibit pieces, which are basically just objects, relatively small objects, right? Something you could hold. Um, at, and there's lots of them, maybe a hundred or something. And there's always a story that goes along with each one about how it represents a broken relationship. Uh, and, of course, they sell a book. They sell a book that you can bring home. And it's got the story with each piece and a picture of each piece. And these things, they are not created. They're just objects, like a really ornate key that someone got as a gift from their lover or something until the relationship you know, fell due to death or something. Okay. Um, but it's a book. We bought the book and it's great. It's a good reminder of what we saw. I'm, I'm just so impressed. Like this guy, like this is a great scheme. Yeah. Well, I will go to it one of these days, but, but before the break, we were talking about how basically you can't make the type of game you want unless you're an indie developer. And there's lots of talk about indie lately, especially with the new systems coming around because, you know, Sony is making themselves out to be very, very, accessible to the indie developer. And I find this interesting because the history of Sony's systems is, um, I always say, for those who don't know, right, because there's a lot to know, the, uh, the original PlayStation was around for years, right? And partway, I'll just say halfway, who knows, partway through its development or its life cycle, um, not development, but during its life cycle, it released something called the Net Yarose. You know what it is, right? Yep. All right, so it is the basically it's a special PlayStation console, and more important than that is that it it interfaced with your PC and it gave you access to the online forums, so you could actually program games and, and play them on the PlayStation, but uh, on only on your own, yeah, not and on then other share people. it with other people. So like it wasn't, but only share it with other people who have one of those also. Yes, yeah, only other people in in the NetYarose program. Um, or people who hacked their systems to play the games that other people made. Anyway, um, it, was, it was just like this tiny group of people who wanted to practice making games. But I don't think any of the games that were in that like turned into full-fledged games. Like they impressed Sony or something. No. You know what else was funny? I think all of those old Net Yorose games, you had to basically just work with the working memory that it had at, at, one, at, 
at one go. So basically, like, you couldn't make anything resembling a CD game. You would have to make a game that basically loaded itself completely all at once, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I did not know much about the details of it, but that, that wouldn't surprise me at all because then the PlayStation 2 came around and they released an actual Linux software for it. So, like, it was the first time you could get the... Um, the hard drive and the network adapter for it so you could connect it to the PC and then, you know, put your code onto the PlayStation 2. And uh, the thing is, like, you could you could program for Linux to run on the PS2, but it didn't give you access to all of the, the graphics horsepower and the I.O. and stuff. So that was weird. Like, why let you program on the system but not give you full access? And I guess it's because they didn't want people making real games or something, which, again, is strange. If you're going to give it to them, give it to them. So now the PlayStation 3 comes around. And this is at the same time the Xbox 360 is there. And the 360 totally opens up to indie. They're like, here's our dev kit for like 100 bucks. You can be a developer and put an indie game on the store and even make money. Like they were just balls to the wall, go for it. You have full access, do what you want, figure it out. And PlayStation 3, I don't even know how their development system works, but clearly they let indies make games. But I don't know if it's like semi-professional indies, if you have to like... Prove to them that you're going to make a real game before they let you put it on the system. Yeah, it certainly well, this, doesn't have an indie store. Yeah, this this current as... I mean this current cycle, uh, you know, Microsoft, well, at least previously, was more in, in, indie friendly. Yeah, but you know we had and we had all the million indie games yeah. on. But we've XBLA. talked in the past about how apparent apparently how broken the Xbox Live indie game store was just that entire system. Yeah, you, you know what's funny? So, well, uh, say say a few more things. I don't want to get so ahead I, of you. It's just I don't think Sony is is going all the way like Microsoft did, where you can just like anybody can program and basically. It's, but they, but they seem to be kind of trading places, don't they? It is. It is definitely a trading places system where Sony wants to be as accessible as possible, but still having some control. Basically, not letting people make fart machines for the PS4, um, while Microsoft seems to be just turning the other cheek. Ah, forget it. And there's. Um, there's an article I read today, I guess, did it come out yesterday? Last night, um, it was put out on Joystick about how Lauren Lanning from Oddworld, you remember Oddworld Inhabitants? How could I forget? They made Abe's Odyssey and whatever. Um, he's, this article is quoting him saying a bunch of things, but essentially saying Microsoft's a big douche. They won't let anybody make an indie game. Like in the Xbox One, I mean. Um, it's like we don't. So even why? Exist. I mean, he mean he's making an indie game. So what does he mean? Because there's some subtext here, obviously. Uh, well, I don't know what he's working on now, because it's always hard to follow. They had this big plan that well, never didn't, happened. Didn't you see him? He was one of those several people that they had up on stage when they're like, you know, when Microsoft was doing their press conference, they're like, here are our indies, and there's know. Lauren Lanning, and hello everybody, and look, we like. Uh, I don't remember in- that happening. I'm not saying it didn't. I just don't remember it. Oh yeah, that's but totally happened. During I think the he press said conference. they're not making games for the Xbox One. Am I wrong about that? Well, they were as of a month or so ago. He says, uh, or not him, but the person writing the article says that at the E3 keynote this year from Microsoft, the Minecraft Xbox One edition, yeah, um, it was the only indie game that was showcased. And and Lanning specifically said he doesn't expect a bright future for indies on the Xbox platform, which is what everybody's saying, right? So Yeah, well, that means it will be a dim future, maybe. But basically... I think Microsoft, the thing is they went so open on one side and just yeah. didn't devote the resources. We talked about this. Didn't devote yeah. the resources to make it good. So now they're basically throwing up their hands and saying, oh, well, that experiment didn't work. Instead of refining it, they're just like, ah, screw it. You know what it You're sounds like to prove to yourself to have a really good game before we let you on our system. Yeah. It sounds like they did an experiment and they made a bunch of mistakes that caused the experiment to fail. And instead of recognizing that, oh, this failed because of our, because of like our methods, it was like – Instead, they concluded, oh, this failed because it was just a bad idea, so we won't do this. Yeah, exactly. They're not willing to put the money behind the sequel. Yeah, exactly. Right. Very good. Bringing story. that all the way back around. Um, yeah, and th- this, the reason I brought this up was because you were saying that you can only really make games uh, the way you want if you're an indie. And so I'm saying, well, I guess we're only going to have blockbusters and potentially um, uninteresting sequels on the Xbox One since there's basically not going to be any indie games and now the ps4 is going to be the place you go to find interesting stuff which is weird to me because on the ps3 i have no interest in playing any of the indie games because they're almost like they're too i don't know nebulous like i don't know what's good they don't do a good job of showcasing them well one one of the problems right is that it's it's funny because xbla is nice because every game has a demo but we don't have this analog on the psn 
So I think what's happening to me and you on PSN is that we're just actually not as aware of what's there. And also, we're, we don't know what the games – the games that we, we know are there, we don't know what they're like Yeah, because we don't get to play them. It's self-defeating, right? Because so, – so we are essentially – do we want to call ourselves journalists or press? Like we would play the demo and then talk about it on the show and then the listener might play it or buy it, right? But I also pay attention to other media. So other media is not playing the demos and not talking about the demos. And therefore, I'm not playing them. Right. I'm not learning about them. And, of course, there's that thing now where I'm, I'm sure Microsoft is fully convinced, even though I'm not, that, um, you know, I wonder what they're going to do with demos for the next platform. Because, you know, we talked about that issue where, like, okay, apparently demos tend to give people more reasons to not buy a game than to, to do buy a game. I think they'll keep the same policies in place i mean i would really love it expect i would fear that they wouldn't well although that whole rigmarole i think is just because if you make it just everything hinges on the demo if you make the demo if you make the demo poorly then yes you're going to drive people away from the game and if you make the demo well you have chance to drive more people toward but games are more often worse than they are better aren't they well microsoft has certainly not explicitly stated that they're changing it so i think I'm going to make I a prediction. And everyone else assume that they're keeping it the same way. I'm going to make a prediction that they're not going to do that next time. Oh man, I wanted to talk about predictions today. You got to remind me next week. I want to talk about console scarcity because I saw some stupid analyst. Maybe I can just wrap it up right now. I saw some. Maybe it was on Polygon or something. There was a little, you know, article attract image. It's like analyst predicts low console numbers like on launch, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Of course." Try to buy one on Amazon right now. You can't. Wait, doesn't it happen every single time? Not just happens every t- what single time. What kind of prediction is but this? We have, we have every piece of information in front of us that proves that it's the case. And the, like an analyst says, I was like, I'll analyze. If you can get to, I guarantee you, you can make money by buying an Xbox One or a PS4 and selling it in the first week. Probably. So if you just want to make money, like guaranteed, like huge amount of free money, and that doesn't come along all the time. Anyway. Maybe I'll talk about this next week if people ask me to. We'll be back, folks. Thank you for listening. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.